Hey, this is Mike from Theology on Mission Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode with Dr. Ingrid Farrow. And this is part two. Just a reminder that Dr. Jonathan Tran from Baylor University is coming in June of 2024 to give our Theology and Mission lectures. Spots are filling up for breakfast, so jump in there and snag your spot or register so you can watch it on live stream. Now that power is bringing death and destruction. It's helpful. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you get into the weeds here. You, you, you take a deep dive into uh, a lot of important topics. I wish, by the way, I wish I could go into this privation of the good concept because I think I differ with both of you on this. But it's okay, folks. This is Northern Seminary. Well, this is the this is the place to differ. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we only got 32 minutes. Well, you told me earlier that we don't have to rush, so let's... I'll put him on the spot. Okay. Right I'll put him he, on the he spot. Threw it, he threw it in my face, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> One place where, I mean, the angle I take on this is slightly different than yours. For me, the issue becomes in the garden that Adam and Eve tried to become God. They actually tried to usurp God. They actually tried to take the fruit of good and evil and become the determinants themselves. And then it's once this alternative power this let's let's take it they were they were removed from the garden in genesis 6 violence breaks out all of a sudden now violence abuse power over and now we're acting as god using power over it puts two powers at work in the world god's power and this this is going i'm going to get to your your chapter on this chapter 12 God's power doesn't work through coercion, but you were talking about control when humans try to control the authority they've been given. It wreaks havoc, especially when they do it in the name of God. Anyways, yeah. all this to say, you you describe in chapter 12, I find this chapter fascinating. Folks, we're not doing justice to this book right now. You're going to have to buy the book. The book is Demystifying Evil, a personal and a Biblical and Personal Exploration by Ingrid Farrow. It's IVP. You can find it anywhere, wherever you buy books. But in chapter 12, you talk about divine counsel and rules of engagement. Mm. You talk about basically how God's power works, that his power is a different kind of way of being in the world. And I suggest that that, that control thing you're talking about is, is the, the, the sin of the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. is to try to take over for God. And when that happens, and it happens in our churches, it happens in our culture. It happens when people vote for Donald Trump. Sorry to offend anybody out there. It happens whenever we try to do God's work in our power, power over as opposed to cooperating with his power. Can you talk a little bit about how God's power works and how it's so different than the violence and evil in the world? Yeah, God is not an abuser. And I remember when that thought came to me uh, because of my own story of abuse and talking, lecturing working with people who've been through abuse for a couple decades now. And, and so abuse, manipulation, intimidation, domination. So those would be three terms that generally go with abuse. And, and we see, for example, when we look at Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we have to take that as true. So if we look at Jesus' life, he's saying, look at me, and now you know what God is like. If it doesn't look like me, you're missing something about God. So Jesus, the night before his crucifixion, he puts on a towel. He takes on the lowest role yeah. in the household. So we all know mm -hmm. the story. And that it was the lowest slave that washed the feet of others. He said, if I, your Lord and master, have done this to you, 
this is how you must be to others. And then later on, you know, disciples, oh, who's the greatest? And, you know, this world's way is everybody wants to be the greatest, has to, wants to have the most power. So that is the history of this world, is the history of power and the abuse of power. Uh, but God, Jesus, absorbed the evil into himself, but he never let evil take his life before he was ready to lay it down either. So because yeah. he had authority, he knew his authority, and they were, it says, he said, nobody takes my life from me, hmm. but when I'm ready, I'm laying it down for you. And so, you know, and even washing the feet of Judas that he knew would betray him. So God's use of power is power under. Like I, I like what one pastor said, the only time you ever saw Jesus looking down at somebody was to raise out his, stretch out his hand to lift them up. That mm. is God. But yeah. God, since he is not an abuser, will never intimidate. He allows humanity to make our own choices. I love in Romans 1 where it talks about the wrath of God is displayed and everything. But then when it mm -hmm. describes it, it simply says in three times in Romans 1, he gave them over yeah, to yeah. their own ways. Yeah, that is so. That yeah. is the way God's wrath is displayed. That's the way his justice works. Yeah. And I, I'm doing a lot of work on the justice of God. And throughout the entire Old Testament, when you actually read it, instead of just skim over and cherry pick, you see that he's giving people opportunities saying, stop this. If mm -hmm. you don't stop this, this is what's going to happen. If you do, then this good thing will happen. Stop. And over and over and over, he'll say that until finally it's like, this is my last, this is my last warning because now you're creating too much harm in too many lives. Now I'm going to step back and allow the evil to come. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. Uh, our, our buddy, Greg Boyd uh, describes this whole construct of God's wrath 1250 pages but here it's it's more concise, concise. well he has a he has a shorter, shorter here it's more too. concise in less than 230 pages yeah. but i just think that's so important because and, and and mike you and i both know that i like to blame the reformed uh, uh -huh. part of the tradition of the christian faith yeah. for everything that went wrong <laughs> especially this understanding of god's wrath punishment eternal con conscious torment everything can we please get this right so that the people, so that we can invite the lost and the hurting yeah. to a loving God who yeah. wants to redeem and restore? Yeah. Sorry to go off. I'm, I got yeah, a little excited. Yeah, you're good. You're good. This is kind of, this is running parallel. I don't know if, I don't know if there's a question in here, but I'm just going to start talking about it. David Bentley Hart has this short book called The Doors of the Sea. It. It's a great book, yes. a little exploration in the theodicy. He makes the distinction, and this, this isn't original to him, but. He draws attention to the distinction between the East and the West. And in the West, when we talk about sin and suffering, we normally use the metaphor of guilt, or we use the language of guilt. But in the East, they typically use the language of bondage, mm -hmm. uh, of, of cosmic conflict that we are mm -hmm. caught up into. Yes. How does that, how does that sit with your work? Uh, absolutely. It's, yeah, sin and evil, of course, become intertwined because all of it, when we start going away from God, then where we become gods ourselves, we don't recognize the bondage that we're putting in. You know, it's like the Bob Dylan song, everybody's got to serve somebody. Yeah. You know, that's it, and that's true. We're all servants of somebody. Yeah. And so some people, you know, especially some atheists that I know, object to serving God. Oh, God wants to be served. It's, what you don't get is we all have to serve somebody. And either it'll be ourselves or some other so often people serve the powers, even though the powers are oppressing them because power is grand mm -hmm. and looks fantastic and so forth. But 
Hmm. We all have to serve somebody. And we also have to remember the, the spiritual context. We don't have enough talk in the West about spiritual forces, spiritual yes, conflicts, yes. about Satan, the powers and right. principalities that actually do have us bound. Mm -hmm. And it is that bondage that Jesus Christ came to set us free from. And he took authority over every power, principality, might, every name that is named, as it says at the end of Ephesians 1, mm -hmm. not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Right. And he has given that authority to us, but it's because he broke the power over it. So mm -hmm. we, unless we recognize our own bondage, and we're not going to even look to God to become free from it. So yeah, I think mm -hmm. that shame and guilt, they kind of go hand in hand, but sometimes those are pride's alternative to humility. Mm -hmm. So if we, because yeah. if, if we're stuck in shame or stuck in guilt, it's maybe because we're not willing to humble ourselves before the living God and say, okay, you were right and I wasn't, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that can be a big step to take. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You, you, again, you take a deep dive into suffering. You almost, deacon, you, you, there is, there are different kinds of suffering. And, you know, we have this oversimplified answer when someone's going through suffering, something like, God, God gave you this for your own good. No, no, be thankful for it or grow and be thankful for it. Or, or, or the other opposite is you should never suffer in this life. God, God, prosperity gospel, God said you should never suffer. So you should be angry at God, but you're much more. Folks, we need a theology of suffering. Yes. Amen. Yeah. You offer this in your book. Another good reason to buy this book, Demystifying Evil, a Biblical and Personal Exploration by Ingrid Farrow. Go ahead. Tell us how you, you break it down so well in chapter, what chapter was it? 13, 14, somewhere on there? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I should know this, <laughs> yeah, but it's in there. But yeah, it's basically I break suffering down. I look at three different kinds of suffering. And so external suffering, which all of us experience, just suffering by living in a broken world. So bad things happen to us and it causes us. I look at suffering in, in, in essence, and I get some of this from Eleanor Stump in her book, Wandering in Darkness, mm. but then also, you know, further explorations too. But we suffer generally because we have a sense of loss. There's something that, that has been taken out of our life or that's missing in our life or something. But ex so there's this external suffering, suffering that comes at us that causes us grief. Mm -hmm. And but then there's internal suffering. So our internal angst, our response, our the losses that we we've, we've experienced where we have pain inwardly. So so we have to even distinguish, is this something that's coming at me? And then what is how do I respond in my own suffering to that situation? Mm -hmm. And then the third category, intentional suffering. And we have to be careful there because some people because intentional suffering should be coming from a place of wholeness where you're seeing the suffering of somebody else and intentionally deciding to enter in to help carry, bear their burden with yeah. them. But if it comes from a place of unhealth, then sometimes yeah. you can be doing more harm than good. Yeah, right. So, but still to look at, am I suffering because of something somebody did to me? Am I suffering because I had needs and I tried to fulfill them in ways that were harmful mm -hmm. to me and others? Uh, so just, again, I take some time to break that down and even distinguish between suffering and pain as well. So evil, suffering, and pain, just looking at the different nuances of those categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is so helpful. I, I feel like, okay, I'm going to get in trouble maybe with both of you on this, but I, I feel like so much therapy mm -hmm. is covering over what's going on in our suffering. 
and that we need a better taxonomy of suffering. We need to help people understand how to engage suffering, not just glossing it over, but saying, hmm, there's a role that you played in this suffering, or this suffering was done to you, and there's a role to forgive, or there's just various things, but we just gloss it over and make it all about me and how I got to suffer through it or something or buck up or, mm-hmm. or whatever, or become a victim or something. I, I've probably offended everybody in our audience, all five of them in the last two <laughs> minutes. Come, do, you, do either of you two have a comment on what I just said so I can get myself out of this hole I've dug? <laughs> Go ahead, Ingrid. <laughs> I'm not going to dig them out. <laughs> I'm not going to help them out. <laughs> Especially in the church, we've tended to be so simplistic and re-traumatize people and not help them through. And so it is important to listen, which the church also has tended not to be good. You know, when I came to church with my problems, it'd be like, you know, basically people avoided me because they didn't, yeah. were uncomfortable with people's That's pain, right. were uncomfortable with yeah. their suffering. So most people just avoided me every time I was going through hardships. But what we need to do, and we're recognizing that more and more, even just as a society, is actually listen to people, give people an opportunity to express. We have to be able to name things. Yes. We have to name the pain, name the suffering, name the evil. Mm-hmm. And and in naming it, we begin to face it. And in facing it, we look at, and that's why, you know, so much of my book is dividing into the different ways that evil enters our life. So I'm, I'm pivoting just a little bit here. And that's so, so evil comes, you know, so the, the, the most common way of thinking of evil is what I call action consequence or seed. You reap what you sow. So yeah. we recognize reap what you sow is in every major religion. Mm-hmm. It's the karmic seed. It's the right. cosmic seed. It's you know, so atheism, everything recognizes there is, you know, Buddhism, that's the whole, the law of cause and effect in most forms of Buddhism. So we recognize that's a factor. But the book of Job is written with about 30 chapters where that's what's being argued. You did something wrong. That's why this happened, Job. No, I did not. So 30 chapters of that. And it ends up the people were wrong. His yeah, quote, friends, friends were yeah. wrong because there's more going on. So we look at, you know, I look at where just, you know, natural evils come in, and then yeah. the different ways that we as humans can be complicit with evil without even knowing it. Yes. And so taking the chance to say, yes, this bad thing happened to me, but let me also self-evaluate, is there something in me that needs to change as well? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe not. Maybe you're perfect. Maybe nothing needs to change, but maybe we that can look- That would be Mike Moore. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. as I've looked at the different ways that evil came into my life, it's like, you know, like, for example, my first husband who tried to kill me, we went to counseling and he said I was too nice. Well, later I would learn it's not good or nice to allow evil to run over you. So he was right. I mean, he got yeah. a whole lot of things I can say about him. But I also thought that I was supposed to just be nice and sweet and I wasn't supposed to speak up and mm-hmm. just be kind and take everything. Well, that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to learn to become strong. I had to learn to mm-hmm. enter into conflict. In a, in a positive way. And it, it takes a while because when you're coming out of trauma, you're going to go through this yeah. pendulum swing where first you're raging at everybody because yeah. all of a sudden it's okay to be angry where yeah. you were told before it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but the goal is to heal. You know, mm-hmm. For me, with this book, the ultimate goal is to open up the conversation so we can talk about it so people don't feel alone in their pain and their suffering. They don't feel alone in the things they've been through. Mm. They can start to look at it through a framework and say, all right, you know, where does this come in? And then I also, of course, include spiritual forces as well. Yes. Uh, you know, I spend a, 
couple chapters breaking down what is Satan and who is Satan and what are yeah. demons and angels and cherubim. They're no, they're not little fat, you know, fat babies with wings. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so breaking it down and looking at all of the different ways that evil and suffering can gain access into our lives. And my hope is to empower people to again name it, face it, and recognize don't have to be stuck here. There's something I can do. This is not how it's supposed to end. I'll just mention real quickly since I'm on a roll here. Psalm 23. <laughs> I, there was, you know, during one point where I was still really wrestling, I'd lost everything. And the verse in Psalm 23 dropped into to my heart. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm-hmm. I will fear no evil because thou art with me. I'm thinking, yeah, God, that's a cool verse. And all of a sudden, you know, I just heard the Spirit of God say, operative word here for you here is through. Don't lay down in the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. Don't set up your camp here. Fear yes. nothing because I am with you for the purpose of bringing you through this. Don't stay here. Don't accept this as the last yeah. dance. Yeah. And for me, that in itself is such a great, important message that no matter how horrific the evils have been in our life, to have hope that, and that's why I love the Joseph story, back to Genesis again, mm-hmm. that whatever evil and betrayals and wrongs have been perpetrated against you to say, God, this was evil. This was not good. But whatever it was, Lord, walk with me through this because I want to see something good come out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm not going to quit until I do. Oh, well, that's, that's what is so compelling about this book. I like scholarly studies as much as the next person. But you really engage real issues in people's lives. Rarely, maybe never, have I ever read a book that puts, puts scholarship together with pastoral insight like this book. Demystifying Evil, a biblical and personal exploration. Ingrid Farrell, by the way, if you want to come study with Ingrid, it's Northern Seminary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to come here to be on campus if you live somewhere in California, for instance. You can uh, zoom in. Yep. Is that the right word, Mike Moore? Zoom, zoom in. in. And we do talk a lot about our MATM program in the Doctrine and Contextual Theology, but Ingrid also oversees our MAOT program. So if you're OT. interested in the Old Have Testament. Have you ever wanted to study the Old Testament more <laughs> than after this podcast, this ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Mike Moore, you have the last question. Not oh, the really? last word, but the last question. Ingrid Farrow has the last word. Okay, last question. In my pastoral ministry, I've noticed this direct flight from people suffering to deconstruction language. Yes. Rarely have I met with anybody. I was with somebody on Tuesday night, actually. He wanted to meet because he's deconstructing his faith. But rarely have I met somebody, and it is a purely intellectual exercise for them. When people are deconstructing their faith, you mentioned that you went through this when you were experiencing abuse from your first husband. What what do we do? How do we lead them through suffering and through that intellectualizing of their faith? Yeah, and the intellectualizing can become a barrier. And and I, I talk with people pretty much every week who are deconstructing their faith. Some have left the church, some have left their faith. But I find is just to engage in conversation and encourage them to continue just to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And especially when somebody's in the middle of pain, I say, do not draw theological conclusions when you're in the midst of suffering and pain. Give yourself time to heal before you draw conclusions. Keep, stay open, keep asking questions. And I think that is one of the healthiest things that we can do because no matter where you end up, 
refusing to just draw pat answers, which is what people have thrown you, mm-hmm. uh, and allow yourself, keep asking, keep open the possibility yeah. that maybe God is good, maybe he's not, but keep open the possibility. Maybe something good can come out of this. Maybe you may find it won't, but at least ask questions, keep asking questions, stay open to conversation, and again, don't get stuck in a place and let your whole life be one of continuing exploration mm-hmm. and talking with people from different perspectives. And I think that is so important. And then we who are talking with people who are deconstructing, we've got to do, a, as you, we both mentioned, a whole lot of listening. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, one friend, it was, she'd call and she'd say, I hate God. You know, and in the old days, it'd be like, oh, you're not allowed to say that. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, tell me more. What happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and giving them the chance, you know, just have it taking the time to let people air and vent because, you know, Job says some pretty harsh things, too. But God didn't hold him as, quote, guilty. Yeah. Yeah, that's you right. Know, he was like, I know you're in pain. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about it. God invites us to wrestle. I, I love the fact that the whole nation of Israel was named yeah. uh, from Jacob, who, you know, Israel means the one who wrestles with God. Right. So God invites us. It's, it's this a, God invited. He invites us. Wrestle with me. Come on. Just give opportunity to listen and to hear on both sides. It's my best, oh, and I know yeah. you're both people who do that, so I appreciate that. Oh, Lord, uh, lead us, guide us, strengthen us in this struggle. By the way, I just want to say I really appreciated the story you had in here with the struggle. I, I've got a teenager, and, and you, you're, you're, you talked about your struggle with your teenager and how he was walking away from God and how you didn't know what to do and how you wanted to control and all that stuff that us parents want to do. Oh, so so good to read that story as an encouragement for all of us, including me, right in this moment of of leading teenagers without controlling them to yeah. give them the space so that God can encounter their lives. Folks, this book is well worth your time. To Dr. Ingrid Farrow, thanks so much for yes. strolling down the hall here and coming into the <laughs> office here and doing this podcast with us. We should have been doing this a long time ago, Mike Moore. <laughs> But we just pray God blesses you, your ministry, your work here at Northern, your work and ministry across the world, really. Yeah. And and that God will bless this book to draw many people to himself. Until that's it for our podcast, Mike mm-hmm. Moore. And so until next time, folks. By the way, have you noticed, folks, we're more regular with our podcast this season? Like mm-hmm. once every other week, basically. Mm-hmm. We are churning them out. Okay. <laughs> and we, we encourage you to give us a, a positive review or a negative one. Yep. Just make it salty so people will become interested. <laughs> but uh, for now, it's over and out from the Theology on Mission podcast. It's Mike Moore and Dave Fitch. Till next time.